audience. We want to say hi to you today. Amen. It's good to have you aboard. Amen. We're going to get into the word today. I was yesterday we had our empowerment meeting. Amen. <laughs> See, we're all empowered in Toledo, Ohio. We have churches in Cleveland and Detroit, and so we have to serve everybody. So we've had this meeting what about 20 years or so now. We monthly go down there and set up our, our headquarters in Toledo and minister the word of God and for anybody who wants to come everybody's free to come to those meetings that wants to come it's worth your while I think anything that you do where God's word is coming forth in the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit is worth getting involved in and so you will never have a greater life than that one that God has ordained for you and so whatever you're doing if you're not sure you're doing what God wants you to do with your life, drop what you're doing. And get in with God. Amen. And get in the flow of God. Because there is no better life than that. We're going to talk about that some today. We're going to talk about the fact that you are ordained. Amen. You are ordained. God sent you here to do this. Okay. Ordained means that you are ordered and fashioned to do what God has called you to do. I know many times people get wound up in about papers and titles and credentials and man's this and man's that. And we That's so old-fashioned, I think, and traditional in an understanding of what the church is all about. I was so glad to know that God had a ministry for believers because then my salvation made sense to me. Because my thought was, well, if I'm saved, I guess I should be going to heaven because to me that's what salvation was. I was looking for an escape from hell. I don't know about y'all, but I knew I was on my way. Amen. <clears throat> and I was really looking for a way of escape. And when I found that I was still here, I said, well, God, I thought I'd just be lifted off to heaven. What am I still doing here? And he began to show me in the Bible what believers are called to do that we have a ministry to the earth and we're ordained and ordered to do that ministry and then heaven is your reward as you fulfill you work out your salvation with fear and trembling as we say and then heaven becomes your final reward but it is not your purpose for getting saved your purpose for getting saved is not to go to heaven salvation is not a selfish experience you know salvation has to do with your purpose in the earth and your purpose is not a selfish endeavor i wish people could understand that you know we'd save ourselves a lot of frustration pain agony torment and all that if we realize we are not saved so that we can have better clothes better car better this better that it's not for us only that we're saved. Amen. Just as it wasn't for Jesus only that he went to the cross. He went to the cross for the benefit of his father's plan for the world, for God's purpose and for man's purpose to fulfill divine purpose that was interrupted by the fall of man. And so once we understand that we are here for divine purpose, we are saved, not for ourselves. We are saved for the glory of God. But it is our quest in life to find out what that means. What does that mean? You are saved for the glory of God. What does it mean? The Bible says something interesting. It says it is the glory of man to find things out, and it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. So when we talk about glory, it has to do with divine purpose. It has to do with excellence in the way things are carried out and excellence in thought and, and illustration and so forth and so on. So man proves his excellence by searching the things of God out, and God proves his excellence by concealing them from man. Amen. And so the Bible says that the great mystery that was revealed is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so when we realize that God has put us in this earth for divine purpose, 
and that we are the hope of Christ. We are the ones who are carrying the message of hope through the whole world. That's why the gospel is always put down and laughed at because it doesn't seem like it's a big deal to most people. Oh, you mean Jesus cares about, oh, you mean Jesus is going to do this? Oh, you mean, I know what you Christians think. That's y'all answer to everything is Jesus. Yeah, you're right. Amen. The Bible says God chose to save man through the foolishness of preaching. It just looks stupid to people that you can have a conversation with somebody and at the end of it, all of their fears about eternal fate and all that stuff, everything settles for them out of one encounter with somebody who has a message inside of them. It looks foolish to people. You mean that's all you have to do to be saved? You just have to believe Jesus and and put your life in his hands and that's it? That's the it, but it's the beginning of it. You got me? It's the beginning of it. And so God then wants to unfold his great plan and his great purpose to everybody on the face of the earth. There's not one person that he is not included in his plan, and there's not one person who is not ordained to a life in God. You have been ordained already, amen, for the life that you have in God. We're also predestined and sent here to do a job for God, man. You're here to work for God. God has set orders, has set and ordered everything, everything that God created has a purpose, has an order, has a, a, a structure to it. It has uh, um, uh, limitations on what can be done in these parameters. There are certain things that he has not allowed us time for as believers. So for the first time in your life, all your time is already spoken for. Your dance card is full. Amen. You don't need to go seeking for another. Because you found the one that your heart longs for. You understand me? So you don't have to go try and find something else to amuse you, to occupy your time, to get involved with. Because you have found that that your heart longs for. So what else do you need? Well, we need to understand God. And we need to understand relationship. We need to understand purpose. But part of that understanding is to understand the order that God has set into this earth. How he has predestined all things for divine purpose. And he's done this throughout creation. When he created the man and the woman, he blessed them and said certain things over them. That blessing and saying is what determines what you are to do with your life. That's where your ordination came in. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were ordained to be blessed and they were blessed with God's word and he already pronounced the blessing over them which he has never revoked and that is to be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it have lordship over it have dominion have power to take care of the earth and manage the earth but he never intended it to be done without him God never intended for man to have a successful reign in this life without having God either in contact with him by his side initial creation of man was that he was in the garden with God and he spoke with God on a daily basis God still wants us to speak with him on a daily basis Adam was very connected to God and very dependent upon God and, and very had a very close relationship with God But he didn't have the kind of relationship that we have now. The relationship that he had got with God at that time was temporary. We know that because of the fall of man. Did God know Adam was going to disobey him? Of course he did. When you tell your kids not to do certain things, do you know they're going to do it anyway? Of course you do. But that didn't stop Adam, stop God from giving Adam those orders. Amen. There are certain things that you can do, certain things I don't want you to do. It would be really hard 
for your children to be successful. Say you're a successful person as a parent. You understand what it takes for your children to have success. It would be uh, hard for them to have the success that you have without you being able to teach, train, and show them certain things. And that's all God was doing with Adam, was showing him, teaching and training him. There are certain things that are good for you, certain things that are not good for you. The power to decide and make right decisions was very, very important for God to test Adam in and make sure that he could trust Adam with the rest of the earth. If he can't decide what's right and wrong, how's he going to manage all of this? Amen. And so that was an important milestone for him to conquer, an important test for him to come through with. And had Adam been without any kind of temptation or any kind of trial or anything like that, I guess it would have gone just like God had set it up in the beginning. But then there was to make the test even stronger. There was pressure put on the man such that he had to make the choice for God in an atmosphere that was hostile to him making the right answer. Extreme pressure on his soul to do what he what what the serpent told him was the right thing to do would he hold on to what god had told him and so the serpent decided to play the man against the woman to a degree work on one and get them weak and then the other would have to go along with it because of his own words yeah and that's how the devil plays everybody you know, he understands your heart. He understands what you're going to do, what you're not going to do. And he sets up situations to keep you bound under his power because he has an understanding of what you will do. The serpent didn't even waste his time with Adam. He thought to himself, he said, hmm, he's already made a vow before God to leave God and cleave to her. If I can separate the two of them, amen and get her weak, then I know I can get him too because he's already said he's going to go along with it. You see what I'm saying? Be careful what you sign up for. That's why it's so important, and I'm not anti-marriage at all. You all know that. I was married 30 years. (laughs) It's enough to make it. (laughs) Cut it out. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Just clearing my throat. (laughs) 30 years. No, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, not at all. But I'm I'm for people taking it seriously and, and having wise marriages. You know, it's worth praying through. And I'm not saying you have to wait. I'm saying pray it through. And I think that's where people make their mistakes. They don't pray and ask God really. Let God have His way in those things. If we would, we'd have much better lives, much better things going on. But Adam then entered into the transgression with his wife Eve because he said, I'm going to leave father and mother. Who was his father? He said, I'm going to leave you and cleave to her. I'm responsible for her. And so that allowed the grace for redemption to come. Amen. I don't know what would have happened had Adam broken that vow. I thank God he didn't. I thank God he kept his word. Amen. You thank God he kept his word. Even though it set us on a course that's been extremely tough for humanity, God has seen us through it. So God's mercy provided a sacrifice for them. He said, I see the man holding on to his word. Amen. And I'm providing a sacrifice. That's enough to let me know that he really has my heart. But he's been deceived. And so I'm sending a sacrifice to bring them back to me. And so... God never stopped, though, what his original plan was for man. And this is what we have to understand. God never disqualifies anybody. You're always ordained. You're always predestined. You're always, see, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Once he calls you, he cannot call you back. You got me? He can't uncall you. You're always called. Once you respond to the voice of God, 
God meant what he said when he called you toward him, and he means to carry out the things that he's planned in your life. Well, what about my mistakes? And my Well, they've been taken care of already. And see, this is the most difficult thing sometimes for Christians to get it straight on and, and understand and learn how to relax in the grace of God. You know, not live sloppy. You know, grace is something that will require you to live at a much higher capacity than legalism. Huh? You'll live at a much higher capacity. Because once you get into understanding the love of God and what was done, the high price that was paid for your salvation, that was paid for your sin, paid for your redemption, paid for your blessing, then it causes you to want to, it causes you to want to stand up a little bit straighter. See, forgiveness never should make you feel lower. It should make you feel higher, more grateful, more understanding of God did all of this for me. God, what can I do for you? I got to take this seriously, you know. Never take for granted the blessings of God. Never take for granted the call of God. Never take for granted the mercy of God. Never take that for granted at all. Because you know your worth once you understand what was done for you. Just you meditate on that for a little bit and understand what was done for you. Then you'll understand your worth. Once you understand your worth before God, then it makes it easier for you to step into the things that you are ordained by God to do. You're ordained for these things. So God said order during creation, and he divided light from darkness and ordered day and night and seasons. He ordered work and rest. He must have ordered a purpose for all that. Why would he go through all the trouble of creating, creating animals and all of that, and then creating man, and there be no purpose to it. What's our purpose? Not to just be in the garden and enjoy life, but to imitate God. Your purpose on this earth is to imitate God. Amen? To learn his ways. Meditate on his word. Seek being transformed through the renewing of your mind. Allow God's transformation of your life to take place. You need to understand that God is a God of order and not disorder. Amen. There are no free spirits in his kingdom. Amen. That's another place. You got me? There are no free spirits in his kingdom. Everything, everyone has a purpose and an assignment. Everybody has an ordained work to do for God. And you are not free to unordain yourself. Uh, or if you find something that somebody else is ordained to do, you're not free to just go and take that up as the next thing that you're going to be doing. You know, and borrow a, uh, a job off somebody or borrow an office off somebody. Amen. You're ordained what God has ordained you to do. So what, are, what, what does the word ordained mean? It means to be, the word ordained really means to make or fashion or form. It means that you are made, fashioned, or formed. So if God has ordained you to be a, a husband and a father and a brother and a son, that means that there are certain things in your makeup where only that will fit. If you struggle with those things, and this is the, the issue with many, many Christians. You know, if I struggle with being a success at this, being a success at that, being this, being that, then you go to the maker. Amen. You go to the creator. You go to the one who formed and fashioned you that way. And you hold on to your ordination. Huh? You hold on to your ordination. You don't ever let go of what it is that God purposed you in this earth to do. Hmm? And we all need to know. If you don't know, you need to know. You can look in the Bible and find out. All believers are called to ministry. You know, we know that. But then there are certain things that you are ordained to be in your personal life. 
You know, you have a well-rounded life in God. You have many things that you will be able to do in God. As you walk with God, you find these things out. You find out mostly what you're fashioned to do and what he made you to do. Once you get born again, you find out what interests you and what brings you delight. Learn how to get delighted with things. Learn how to pay attention to things. Now, there are some people never going to be delighted. I don't care what you do. They just always be mean and, you know, yeah, right. That's just the way it is. But everybody likes something because everybody is purposed to do something. Everybody is structured and fashioned in their inner man to be able to accomplish certain things in the earth. I know Dr. Miles Monroe taught very passionately for many, many years on this subject because he looked around and saw humanity wasting their time and wasting their effort doing things that they were never called to do, never ordained to do, never fashioned to do. Many times you'll find what you're ordained to do by just doing things. If you can do something, start doing. Usually you find your own purpose, you find your own medium, your own ordination when you start to employ yourself in certain things. Never be the type of person that never wants to do anything. You know, they usually wind up in an orange jumpsuit anyway. Huh? Cookie finally got to tell Lucius orange looked good on him. Huh? See, y'all think I didn't see that. Well, that was on the clips anyway. But looks good on you. Huh? <laughs> but people who are schemers and connivers, and you know, the devil gets them to waste a lot of their ordination, what God really purposed them to do, by not taking the initiative to step out and find out what it is your purpose is. What it is? What is it that I like to do? What is it that I enjoy doing? What is it that God has set my hand at doing? And many times, once you get started doing things that you enjoy, God will give you other things along the way to do to add to that. Amen? And it will amaze and shock you the multitude of things that you're able to do because you set your hand to one thing. Amen? God said, whatever you set your hand to will prosper. So you must begin by beginning. You have to set your hand to something. I always encourage parents when you see one of your children interested in something, feed that and encourage it. You got me? People look at that and, well, you know, they shouldn't be getting up so early going to gymnastics, but they like doing it. Huh? You know, like they're not going to be like 90% of the kids who wind up just sleeping late and being on drugs because they're bored to death. And the parents don't have enough sense to put their hands to something and understand that my child is ordained for a purposeful life. God has put this child here for a godly purpose to glorify God. My child has gifts, talents, and abilities far beyond what I can see. And I must develop those by employing this child and doing some things. Hmm? Discipline is another thing that people have to have in order to accomplish things in God. And this is something that you'll see God will put us to a discipline in life that requires that we stay with something even though we fail. It's just the way life is. Excuse me. There are some things within us that God wants to be brought out of us. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so sometimes you've got to dig deep into the earth to find the treasure. And many times we'll find that we fail at things or they don't turn out right for a minute or something else happens or something else happens. And then we realize that we are ordained to do certain things in the earth. And if we will stay with it, we'll find that God is there encouraging us. He is there. You know, sometimes there's a a disconnect between your brain and your heart. Where your brain can want to go after something, but your heart's not in it. And then one day your heart's in it, and then your brain shorts out on you. 
And so as a Christian, we have to realize that if God told me, you have to go back to your original conversation, original purpose with him. You have to dust all of this off and realize that I'm still in the race. God still wants to use me. I'm still ordained and ordered to do certain things with my life while I'm down here in this earth. I am ordered to do those things. You are not free to ordain yourself. If you're saved, you are saved to serve. Amen. That's number one on your list. Most people, when they first see that word serve, it's distasteful to them. Well, if this makes you feel better, let me tell you, you're what what I call working royalty. If the word royalty makes you feel better... And consider yourself working royalty. Amen. But you are ordained to serve. Why? Because Jesus served in order to get you in a position so that you can be transformed. And you can't be transformed beyond the level of the one who is transforming you. So we are called to be conformed to his image and he was a servant. Amen. He put aside his royalty and he was taught the ways of a servant amen because in order for us to live in this earth and live successfully we must serve one another it's just true so we are what i call working royalty yours is a hands-on type of work you are to lay hands on the sick and see them recover first of all you have to go to where a sick person is so you have to have the heart of a king who cares about people, cares about everybody. Amen? And you have to do it without discriminating. You can't like to be around certain people and not like to be around certain other people and call yourself royalty. Amen? A king loves and cares for all of the subjects that he has authority over. And so as working royalty... We have to be willing to serve in whatever capacity is necessary to bring about the glory of God into that person's life. So you're looking for a change to come into that person's life that is so dramatic and so transforming that they will look up and understand God maybe for the first time in their lives and see that God is good and want more of God. And want to be loved by God and want to be cared for by God and want to be called working royalty just like you are. They want to join what you have. And so this is the, the whole gist of why we're here, folks. This is what we're ordained to do. We're ordained to show forth the glory of God to a dead, dying, sick, sin-sick generation. People who care nothing about God, know nothing about God in total darkness don't want to change, hate you, hate everything you stand for, amen, and want to tear you down. But still we're called to be servants to people who hate us. And so this is the quest of believers in this earth. This is why there's such a challenge sometimes to know what it is you're called to do and to stick with it. Because it's easy for people to quit if it doesn't seem to serve what they think their purpose on the earth is then it's easy to want to turn away from it. But royalty knows what they're called to do. The part of you that's royalty understands that you have an inheritance in this earth, that these people that you serve are your responsibility, they are your harvest, they are what you work for, they are what you live for. So you don't live for yourself anymore. You live for those that you serve. You live for those that you minister to. So we are a royal priesthood, is what the Bible says. We serve as priests under the anointing to minister. So the first thing that God has ordained you with is ministerial authority. See, if you knew you had all this already, you'd spend a whole lot less time running around trying to prove who you are to people. You understand what I'm saying? You, you know the crowd I'm talking about. You know, they got to be in certain people's meetings. You know, if you're a preacher and you're not called to preach for so-and-so, you must not have it made yet. 
You understand what I'm saying? And so many times you'll see people falling over backwards and forwards trying to get somewhere that God has really not ordained for them to be. We can't all go preach at Megafest. You understand what I'm saying? There'd be nobody to preach to the whosoevers that are needing God. And so part of your ordination is to know who you are called to serve. Know where you're called to serve. And Jesus spells it out real easily in the Bible. He says, you start in Jerusalem. What's familiar to you? Then Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Judea was a a larger Christian area. You'll probably get involved in a local assembly. You'll start out with your family, praying for your family, your neighbors, your friends. And then it spreads out from there. Amen. Samaria is the part where there are enemies there. The Samaritans were never friends with the Jews. Always look down their nose. They both look down their nose on one another. And so it's a hostile territory. God doesn't throw you into hostility right away. He keeps you around people who can accept you and love you pretty much because he wants to encourage you in your ministry. In a local assembly, you'll be called to do certain works there so that you can do what we call sow seed into your life. So that your life will be blessed. If you can get active and do a job in a church, you're a lot farther ahead than the person that doesn't have an opportunity to do anything. You understand what I'm saying? And so God wants us all to be employed with our gift and our calling. Many people never get to the point where they understand what they're called to do or work in it very much. And I'll tell you why. Most people have a herd mentality when it comes to where they're supposed to fellowship. Where you connect with the people of God is the most, second most important thing to your salvation. And staying connected where God tells you to connect and not disconnect. But most people get their ideas of where to worship off what? Television. Because that's what they see. And so they'll look for maybe the biggest church, the one that looks just like the one with the background on television. Amen. A pastor with a prominent name that maybe owns the radio station in the city or something like that. And so people, you'll see, and this is what Dr. Monroe uh, fought all the time, was how to help people to connect properly to the proper authority for their gift and for their calling. And it's a big challenge because most people see church as more of a social setting instead of a place where you come to be trained to work for God. And so if you're not being trained to work for God, there's something in you, I think, that starts to die slowly. It starts to get disgruntled. It starts to get dissatisfied. It starts to get irritated. And then then you get people who want to jump up. And get a false ministry because of frustration. They sit on the pew so long, nobody ever tells them that I can, you know, I can authorize you to pray for the sick. Let's have healing school so we can learn these things. And we'll go out and we'll pray for the sick. We'll go out as a group and we'll start to uh, stop people in different places and ask them if they want prayer, that kind of thing. And so if you and if you're understanding that's your job and you can do that on your own, so much more the better. The more people that you can touch with the power of God and the love of God, you work in your purpose and what you're ordained to do. So you start to fulfill that which God predestined you to do. Can you imagine just going home to your children and laying hands on them? You'll fulfill part of your ordination in God. So people who are doing these things don't have to be as challenged as much in am I doing what God has taught taught me to do or called me to do. But you know most people don't live like that. Most people are what we call pew sitters. Most people are trying to make sure they have enough money to pay their tithes and to pay their bills and to take care of basic things without much thought of what am I here on this earth to do. God has ordained me to do something or he's purposed me to do something. How do I find out what it is that I'm purposed to do? So you thank God you're in a place where you can at least experience these things and be taught these things. 
so that you can go forward in God and you can be empowered to do what the royal priesthood does. So we serve as priests under the anointing to minister. So everybody that God calls has ministerial authority. You have, a, you have authority as a minister of God in this earth. I don't care if anybody ever acknowledges it. Anybody ordains you. They don't call you reverend. They don't call you anything. But you still have that authority down here in the earth. The first level that we operate at is a believer's level. And I don't care if you're called as a five-fold minister. You still must function on a believer's level first. That's where God proves all of us. And then if you're called to it, you function at a five-fold level. Man's papers cannot change God's ordination. It will never change it. I don't care what people tell you, you seem to have this gift or you seem to have that gift. Or I don't care if they say, thus saith the Lord in front of it. They will never change God's ordination for your life. There are many people who make rash decisions in life. You can always tell what people are really ordained to do because it bugs them if they don't get it done. You hear me? You need to find out what you need to do up front. Don't find it out on the back end where it bugs you that you don't get it done. Many people are called for household salvation. We know everybody's called, right? When God calls you, he calls your whole household. The Bible is full of examples of that. Noah's ark. He took his whole family with him, folks. He didn't just go by himself. So when God calls, he calls a bloodline. He calls a family line of people. There are many people who disconnect from family once they start praying for them. The same test Adam went through. You know, you can obey God, but when there's pressure on you, can you still do it? And so this is always the test for the believer. This is the test of your royalty. Royalty has a reputation to keep in the earth. If you're a royal person, you have to think about your reputation, my father's reputation, my family reputation. I don't want to let my father down. I want to do him good. I want to do proud. I want to be a good steward over the gifts and the abilities that he's given me. So I must withstand the pressure to disconnect from hostile family members in order that I can prove royalty and be a royal minister. You got me? A royal priest. And so many people will disconnect from loved ones. Got a divorce. I couldn't stand them anymore. Well, God told me I'd never go farther in ministry if I stayed with them. Told me I'd never be happy if I stayed with this. But I married the wrong person. I did the wrong thing. Royalty doesn't whine, folks. Huh? Royalty does what it needs to do to correct itself so that God can come through for you. And then you see them further down the line. Maybe one of those people have passed away. A spouse they divorced years ago passed away. Oh, I know they were saved. God reassured me they were saved. And they say it over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they know they dropped the ball. They know they missed it. And their conscience bugs them forever. So this is serious, folks. When God gives you something to do for him, he means you to get it done. Are you the only person who can do it? You may be. But that doesn't bug somebody who is royalty. If you're royalty, you know that if my father has given me a command to stay with this marriage till death, I do part. If I signed up for it, my father will help me keep my word. So few people value word, commitment, reputation, all of those things enough to stake, take a stand. And when they do, sometimes miraculously, they find out God changes them and he changes the other person. So a miracle takes place and you find out that God really has ordained me to do this. 
God ordained me to stay married till death do us part. I was able to do it because of the grace of God. I was able to do it because of the help of God. God ordained me to bring certain people into the kingdom with me. When he met me, he saw me with the family all saved. And I was faithful and I withstood and I went through and I did what was necessary and I saw all of them come in. You want that to be your report. You don't want to be the one who quit and who pugged out on everybody because some group you fell in with told you God had something better for you. It never, ever shows up. What's really important for us is that we do what we're ordained to do in this earth. We stay with the predestination of God and the ordination of God. So men's papers cannot change God's ordination. Men's discouraging words and twisting scriptures cannot change his ordination. It will never advance it, enhance it, or perfect it. But God's ordination in your life can be acknowledged and others can bear witness to it. So say, for instance, if you are called as a minister, a five-fold minister, and a group decides they want to ordain you, they're only verifying what God has already put in you. They can't create anything for you. They can't make up anything to help you to feel more comfortable that you're somebody important. That's not man's job to do. So that when man ordains, when we ordain one another, what we are saying is that we see what this person carries. We see the predestination of God. We see the gift in God. We see the ability of God. And we sanction it. We bear witness to it. And if that's something that helps that person as they go along, getting doors open and so forth, then so be it. But somebody needs to acknowledge who you are. Somebody in authority needs to be able to see what God has called you to do. Other than that, you're just a free spirit and a rebel running around trying to get yourself ordained. And there are plenty of people who will do it. Don't get me wrong. There are lots of people who will give you a doctorate in 30 days who will give you some papers saying that you've been through this class and that class and the other class. But none of that matters if you're not doing what God ordained you to do. It matters nothing unless you're doing what God ordained you to do. So man's sanctions and man's papers or credentials will help us to fit in and find our place in the body of Christ. So we are confirmed. But your confirmation does not... That's not your ordination. That's just confirming what is already put in you by God. And you need that witness. You need somebody or else you're just imagining things. You need somebody to validate what God has called you to do. The main way you're validated is by fruit that comes forth in your life. If you're an apple tree, you'll produce apples. If you're not an apple tree, you won't produce any. If you're an evangelist, you win souls. If you're a pastor, people want to be around you and want and hunger for your teaching and for your words. If you don't have that, you're just calling yourself something. huh? And you don't want to be self-ordained. Many people miss their greatest opportunities for happiness, success, and spend a life of frustration trying to imitate something that they think is better than what they have and what they believe they are. Many times we just need to stay with something long enough for what God has ordained us to do to emerge. Sometimes if you're happy working with children in a nursery, go work with kids in a nursery. You're ordained to do that. Yeah, but that doesn't pay much money, and we, I don't get, I get tired of working with but that's what God put in you. If you stay with it long enough, God will help you develop it to the place where it will be successful for you. You never know where it's going to go. Or sometimes just having something to do that you're satisfied with, that you're content, that doesn't give you any stress. Sometimes that's the best thing to have in life. Some people feel called to do certain things domestically. If you feel called to be a mother, and most women do, I don't know many who don't feel called to be mothers. 
whether they work out being mothers or not, most feel called to do that. And that is a calling of God. But sometimes God calls you to do more. But he doesn't call you to abandon your job as a mother. Amen? To get up and go do something. Huh? And I know it's tempting. You know, Pete, repeat, and four Pete, and three Pete. Get on your nerves and you say, ooh, I'm going to get up one more and I'm going to just leave all of <laughs> But you don't. You dig deeper in God. When you have problems, you go to the word. You don't go to psychiatrists first, psychologists. Start letting them give your kids a lot of pills if you're a Christian. You go to God and you pray these things through. See, many people are frustrated in their God-given roles because they don't use the tools God gives you to use. You just don't use them. We're torn sometimes between the church and the world. And the world's telling us we got all these problems. And God's telling, telling you, I gave your children to be a blessing. And they are a blessing. But you've got to treat them like a blessing. You've got to go to God when you have problems with it, just like you have problems with anything. You always go back to the maker. If you own a Cadillac, you don't take it to anybody. If you want the best work done, it might cost you a little bit more. But you know when you've got to go to the real dealer. huh? And so many times we'll fumble around and try to solve problems our own way. And then we realize, you know what, I never asked God to help me with this. Amen. My, my little friend God who saved me so long ago. And I've been go- doing things on my own, trying to go my own way. And it hasn't been working for me. And I'll tell you, it's never too late to go to God. It's never too late to go to God. I don't care how bad you think the problem is. People have children. Your child winds up in jail. It's never too late to go to God. They can still wind up being the minister that God told you years ago that they would be. Amen. What do you care where they preach as long as they're doing what God tells them to do? Some people preach in prisons and they're just as happy, happier than the ones preaching out here. Amen. Because they're doing what God wants them to do. They are structured in their inner man to do certain things on this earth. And until you really get with God and start flowing in that and working in that, you won't have true contentment and true happiness. There are people who are called to ministry but weren't able to do it. I was never able to fulfill what I was called to do in the ministry. I had my family young and blah, blah, blah. Well, what's holding you up now? Sometimes we get a put-off structure in our brains. You can put something off almost forever. Live a frustrated, kind of mediocre life in God. Excuse me. You can do that almost forever. But God will will help you when you start to reach out to him. Sometimes people are too busy to want to do much for God. And they don't know how to get themselves in the flow of the things of God. God will make up for those things if you will just yield yourself over to him and do something that God wants you to do. Ephesians 1.11 tells us that we are predestined to conform certain things. says, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And so we are foreordained by God to do the things that we're doing. You have a sense of being free because you have decisions to make as to whether you obey God or not. But everybody has the Holy Spirit and has the leading of the Holy Spirit for the things that we are called to do. And so God has already predestined everything that you're supposed to do while you're in this earth. 
Now, do you feel like somebody's winding you up and making you do anything? Absolutely not. Why? Because God didn't make you feel that way. You feel like it's your your show, like you're doing all this yourself. You made the decision to come here. You made the decision to get up this morning. You made, But you were prompted by the Spirit of God. Once you've done it for such a long time, you get into what we call a habit of doing things a certain way. And it, you don't have to really make the decision. After that, you're committed to something. And that's what God likes. He likes his people to com- be committed to the purpose of their predestination. And so as long as you're walking in your predestined steps, then God is pleased with what you do and you'll have a peace in everything that you do. So we are foreordained to do these things, amen. We are structured, we're set in a certain way in our inner man to be able to flow and to function in a certain way, to satisfy God in the earth, to work in our gifts and our callings. And there are times when we're frustrated in these efforts, but we know that God comes through for us anyway because he works everything out for our good. So he knows that sometimes we're not sure about what we're supposed to do. We're not certain about where we're going in our calling and our, and our steps. But you are called to do everything that you do from getting up at the time you get up to going to bed at the time that you go to bed. All of the trials and the the challenges that you have in life, those are foreordained for you for a good purpose in God. And God wants you to be employed in this earth in doing the things of God so that you can show purpose and you can show fruit for what God has put you here in this earth for. So your life is not in vain. Sometimes we'll get bored with the things that are going on in our lives. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we have an idea what God wants to do, and we wonder about what it's taking so long. We want to move on to to phase three before we really finish phase two. And so in these times, this is where God is doing something different in us. He builds character in us oftentimes with allowing us to wait for things, not having everything that we need immediately when we say we want it. Having an understanding of his divine hand guiding us is very important for God to work into our lives. You'll never know success in God if you don't know challenges from the opposition. And some of these challenges come through, through things like time, through waiting, through being patient through waiting, through understanding that you have to wait with a certain attitude. You just can't wait and be frustrated and angry all the time. God wants you to wait with joy and with rejoicing. Sometimes you get tired of blessing other people. You want to be blessed sometime yourself. You get a little tired of going to people's showers and baby, baby showers and all those kinds of things. You want to have your own party. You understand what I'm saying? But God understands That what he wants to build in you is so much different than what you can imagine you might need in this earth. There are things that we need to have built in our character that can only be built through the waiting process and having a good attitude in the times that we wait. So God wants us to understand all of these things. You're foreordained to wait for things. You're foreordained to have some things come to you fairly easily. And then you're foreordained to live a certain number of years on this life and you live them fruitfully, peacefully, in health and in joy in God. God knows that you have to be employed in your life. And he can make up for times where you think you're wasting time and nothing's really happening in your life. You'll be rewarded for this. In Matthew 20, I thought I'd show you this. <coughs> Matthew 20. Start in verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, or he's an owner. And he went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, go you also into the vineyard, 
and whatever is right i'll give it and you give it to you and they went their way so he's hired some more people at a different time of the day but he promises to pay them whatever is right again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them why are you standing here all day idle and they said to him because no man has hired us he said to them go you into the vineyard also whatever is right that's what you'll receive so when the even was come the lord of the vineyard said to his steward call the laborers and give them their hire beginning from the last to the first and when they came and were hired about the eleventh hour they received every man a penny but when but when the first came they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny and when they had received it they murmured against the good man of the house saying these last have worked but one hour and you gave them what's equal to us which have borne the burden of the heat all day long but he answered one of them and said friend i don't do you any wrong didn't you agree with me for a penny take what is yours and go your way i will give unto the last even as unto you is it not lawful for me to do what i will with my own is your eye evil because i am good so the last shall be first and the first shall be last for many are called but few are chosen now this parable helps us to understand that God makes up the difference in your waiting. See, you may think you're seeing everybody prosper so fast and seeing everybody get ahead so fast and everybody, you know, every time we have church, Miss Nola's always up there and you know, she getting this, she and whatever God told you in your heart is going to be your reward for serving him. That's what you're going to receive. Amen. So God makes up the difference when we feel that we've been cheated or we feel that we've been looked over or we feel that somebody has slighted us and hasn't treated us right and hasn't done anything right. They didn't give us the right job and didn't give us the right this or the right that. Throughout our lives, God makes up the difference because he has predestined you. It makes no difference. Whatever happens in the in-between makes no difference because at the end you're predestined to be where you are in God. You're predestined to do certain labors for God. You're predestined to be in your neighbor's life when they get sick. You're predestined to knock on somebody's door and give them loaves of bread and pray for them. You're predestined to do all of these things, folks. This is not... This is not a royalty glamour life. This is a royalty service life. So many people are being deceived and pulled the wrong way because they look at this life as being something uh, for, for self-gain. Or if I don't look prominent or I don't have the biggest church or I don't have uh, armor bearers and servants and all these people falling over me, then I'm not happy with where God's got me. You see people mess themselves up. Gifted people who just need to be gifted, contented people instead of being people that are always wanting more, always. Uh -huh. And they justify it with the word. You know, God told me it's going to get, I'm going to blow up. I'm going to be big. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. Well, if God told you he, he's going to do it, he's going to blow you up. Sometimes the first place you need to blow up is in your house. You understand what I'm saying? You need to be big in God around the people that, that are depending on you for prayer. Amen? Your relatives, I don't care how bad the outlaws are in your family, they're depending on you for prayer. I got a call from one of our nephews. You know, sometimes you don't see them very often. But you keep enough of connection with them, at least they know your number. You understand what I'm saying? Or they know they can get you on Facebook or something. And he texted me and said he needed prayer. And I texted him back and I said, well, the devil's after you, I'm sure. You know, I mean, something just like that. I didn't think he needed prayer, prayer. But he was desperate for prayer. Huh? Desperate for prayer. 
Now you go along for many, many years with people and, and they don't seem to respond much to God. But every now and then, there's a desperation for prayer. And I could see it in the way he was writing. And so I called him and we prayed about some things. And we were able to settle some things. And so I did what all preachers do. I want you to come to church because then I can finish the job. No show so far. But, you know, I don't have any animosity. I'm not mad at him or anything like that. You do what you need. See, royalty understands you extend the invitation and don't take it personally if they don't respond to it. So you've got to be both. You've got to be a servant and you've got to be royalty, too. The royalty has certain manners about itself. It doesn't get. Now, I'm not saying I've always acted this way. God had to teach me something about how to be royalty. And I'm not talking about, you know, these, I'm a princess and all that. I'm a diva and all. I'm not talking about that, that cheap stuff. I'm talking about somebody who is gracious, amen, and kind, considerate, and willing to lay down their life and their feelings so that somebody can step into the kingdom and learn that they are royalty in the makings too, you know. The enemy's just hidden that aspect of their character from them. And so these things are very important to understand that when no man recognizes you, no man recognizes your gift like he did with the servants, they all were hired by one master. You only have one God to answer to. And you only have one God who knows your purpose. Even though nobody else sees worth or value in, in you, God sees it. See, these laborers were looking for work and nobody gave them a job. How many times have we, we been there and you go home and you wonder, well, why didn't I get this? And, why? and then you sit and beat yourself up. Well, maybe I'm not smart enough. You're not going to get no smarts in 24 hours that's going to impress somebody on a resume. You understand? They ain't said no already. But I don't care how many say no. Your God always says yes. See, there's a time and a season where your gift will come forth and your, your employee will be known by everybody. That's important to know it. Sometimes people don't need to know who you are. You need to keep yourself under wraps until God unveils you. You understand what I'm saying? And then everybody will know. But these laborers were hired by one master. And he looks at all of us and he understands your effort. He understands your pain. He understands your impatience. He understands how the devil beats your head up telling you you're no good. You'll never get it. You'll never be smart enough. You see failure at almost every turn but God. You got me? But God still has me here. He has me for a purpose. He has me here to serve. I'm going to keep serving. It's killing me, but I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep going. It's killing me at times, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep being faithful. It's killing me at times, but I'm going to keep being faithful. When is my time going to come? You know, I see ministries all the time, multi, multi-million dollars. And they squander it sometimes on things you see and you think to yourself, man, if I had half of what they have, I'd pay bills and have a bigger meeting than we have. You understand what I'm saying? Something where we can get a greater capacity of people into things. And then you see this and you go on and you see others do the same thing and you go on and you think to yourself, is there any justice anywhere? We give to them, but they don't give to us. You understand what I'm saying? It never comes back to you again. But you stay faithful because something in you says, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to be faithful in what God called me to do and sent me to be here on this earth. And as long as I'm faithful, I'm pleasing the master. If you can get your eyes off of comparing yourself with other people, what they look like, what they've attained to, How big a car they have, how big a house they have, all of the things that we think are important and just focus on who I am and who has called me. And am I being faithful serving him? You will be pleased. You'll be pleasing to the master. 
And it will shock you (laughs) when the day comes how much delight God takes in the efforts that you thought were so small compared to other people. Because, see, you're not the judge. He is the judge. And he judges us according to what he has predestined and preordained us to do. Did you follow his program for your life? Did you do the things that were pleasing to him? Did you set about understanding and learning how to be a minister, how to be somebody who is faithful, learning how to pray for those people in your midst that need prayer and be sincere about it, not tell people you're going to pray and then, you know, don't think anything about lying to people. You understand what I'm saying? There are many people like that. Call our prayer line. We pray for you anytime. You understand what I'm saying? You don't want to be the person like that. You want to be the person who's faithful and who carries through what God wants him to do. Because he's the only one who's judging you in the end. You have to please the master. And he's the one who has a blueprint from your life from the foundation of the earth. You were called to be here at this time. Be faithful doing what God called you to do. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, <coughs> for understanding. We are called. We are predestined. Romans 8 tells us that we know all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. For whom you called, you also predestined. Who you predestined, you foreordained that we would show forth your glory in this earth. Father, help us to understand those words. Help us to understand our assignment here and to follow through with it. No matter what comes upon us and no matter what comes against us, we will be faithful because we're able to, because of you. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Holy, holy, holy.